Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. So 
That's her background. She's a sexual assault advocate. Okay. She went to Michigan State back in 2021. She shared a story. They invited her. She shared a story. Obviously, she got paid. Um, and they tried to have an ongoing, I'm used the word relationship because that's what it was, a business relationship with the, with the university to help athletes. And, and that's across all sports, not just football, but across all sports. But she did go talk to the football team because and a, a lot of the times um, where a lot of the assault cases come from are some of the major money-making sports for the university, football, basketball, baseball for some colleges, um, and some of the sports that people consider non-revenue sports. Um, anybody who knows anything about college campuses knows there's a, lot of, there's a lot of unreported sexual assault on college campuses, okay, a lot. So we got Mel Tucker. So she first notified the university of his behavior and some things that happened months ago. Michigan State, as it always has been, decided to not suspend him immediately, not do anything about it, um, and basically not just kind of keep it under the rug, you know, so they could figure out a way to, to deal with it without any publicity because, you know, Michigan State, going all the way back to Larry Nasser, okay, all the way back to Larry Nasser, all right, has failed repeatedly, 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 okay, to deal appropriately with sexual assault allegations and actual sexual sexual assault scandals, you name it. They failed to do it, okay? We talking Tom Izzo. We talking Mar- um, uh, um, former coach Mark D'Antonio, who in one case of a sexual assault allegation told the guy who was accused, well, go talk to your mother. Tell her what you did. Yeah, because that helped the person he raped. You know, him talking to his mom. So here we go now. So apparently, allegedly, Mel Tucker started asking uh, Brenda Tracy, hey, would you date me if I wasn't married? Things of that nature. He called her and started um, <laughs> helping himself on the phone while he was talking to her. Stuff like that. So the story came out maybe three days ago. Suddenly they suspended him. But then they say, oh, it's got nothing to do with the story coming out. We were going to do it anyway. Bullshit. And the thing that bothers me the most in these cases is that they will always have a female high-ranking university administrator standing at the microphone as if to say, see, we got women here. We ain't raping everybody. First of all, Mel Tucker, dude. What the hell is wrong with you? Seriously. What the hell is wrong with you? It's it's bad enough that you got that big contract and it fell on your face, right? Which you shouldn't have got. But, you know, I'm all for a brother getting paid. You got a 10-year contract, $95 million. $95 million. I'm not going to go down the line of you could have had anybody you want. Because sexual assault and rape is not about attraction. It's not about sex. It's about power. 
It's about power. So you suddenly thought you could get away with anything you wanted. <clears throat> and if you felt it was okay to do this to Brenda Tracy, a well-known advocate, somebody in the public eye, how many people have you? How many women have you done this to, who weren't in the public eye, who didn't have her platform, who were scared to speak up? Because you don't suddenly one day wake up and start sexually assaulting people. That's not how this works. You know, it's like you don't one day wake up and beat your wife. It's not how it works. Okay, you've always been who you are. So now you finally got exposed. For who you are And so you come out and say Oh it was entirely consensual Here's what I know Here's what I know um, As someone as a child Who was molested As someone who came from a family Of, of violence and abuse There's certain things that <laughs> You're just not going to do Going forward When it comes to physical interactions With people Um Sex becomes not fun. It becomes not something you truly are into most a lot of the times. It takes you being with the right person, somebody you trust, and all those other things. So Brenda Tracy isn't going to suddenly wake up one day after being gang raped and be like, oh, yeah, call me and start playing with yourself on the phone because I'm cool with that. So Mel Tucker, nothing you say is believable at this point. Nothing you say is believable. I'm going to say this again. Nothing you say is believable, especially because you work for a university that has a long history, and I'm talking about going back to the 60s, of allowing people in power to abuse and sexually assault students, male and female. Okay? A university that has a history of sweeping things under the rug, trying to discredit those that come forward, making them, basically putting them on trial and victimizing them again. So nothing you say is believable, nothing Michigan State University says is believable, and why you haven't been fired yet, I would love to know. Would love to know. So according to Mel Tucker, the the <clears throat> the hearing that the university is going to have, it's a sham. Bruh, at this point, you need to shut the hell up. Because let's say for the sake of argument, let's say for the sake of argument, that Brenda Tracy lost her mind and decided to, you know, engage this with you consensually. You're a married man and you're the head coach of the Michigan State University football team. You're supposed to be teaching them, these young men how to be men. What part of that is teaching them how to be men? Uh, the cheating on your wife part, the infidelity, the lying. Which, which part of that is helping them grow up, grow up to be good men in society, good people in society? Which part of that, bro? I'm curious. These parents sent you their kids for you to help mentor them on the road to being good men. What part of all the lying and the cheating and all of that? And again, we're giving, I'm not giving you the benefit of the doubt. I'm just saying in some alternate universe, 
you know, because there is a multiverse. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Marvel person. We're in the multiverse, somewhere in the multiverse, you and Brenda Tracy actually engaged in this consensual thing while you're while you're married. Where in there is the is the hey? This is how you conduct yourself as a man. This is how you treat women. Where in there is that, bro? So at this point, the best thing for you to do is shut the hell up and go away. Go away. Just shut up. You could have worked out some quietly with Michigan State, right? And you could have stepped down, got some money, and just went the hell away. But instead, now, once again, Michigan State, here we go. Here we go. From Larry Nasser to Mark D'Antonio to Mel Tucker to Tom Izzo and on and on and on. I have a question for parents out there. Why do you keep sending your children to this school when it comes to the parents that have athletes? Why do you keep sending your children to this school? Seriously. Seriously. Why do you keep sending your children to this school? Why do you keep sending your children to be coached by these terrible human beings? At Michigan State University, I, I, I just I, I I need to know because it don't make sense to me. It really doesn't. It don't make sense to me. But you know what do I know? I'm just some guy, you know. Um, and then of course we have the whole Oklahoma thing, where one of the assistant coaches, whose father-in-law is Art Bryles from Baylor. And those of you who don't know that particular case, Google it. He thought it would be a good idea to have Art Browse on the field after they won a the game the other day. And then, and see, here's the piece about it. I can, I can kind of understand it because that's your father-in-law. That's your kid's grandfather. Read the room, you clown. Read the room. There is a reason that the two times somebody tried to hire Art Browse, they wound up losing their damn job. Art Browse is radioactive, and he should be. He should never be on a college campus, especially on a college football field, ever again. And you thought it would be a good idea. Hey, we just won. The camera's on me. Hey, hey, farther along, come on down. Hey, terrible human being, farther along, come on down and get in this picture. It'll be fine. What the hell is wrong with you people? Seriously. Do you have that little respect for the people that have been victimized? Do you have that little respect for these people? Of course you do. It's a rhetorical question. Of course you have that little respect. Michigan State University, why is Mel Tucker still employed? Michigan State University, why is Mel Tucker still employed? University of Oklahoma, why is that assistant coach still employed? I don't want to hear about it. It won't happen again. It never should have happened the first time. Especially because of the fact that the head coach said, Brent Venables, said that that had already been addressed about him coming onto the field or being anywhere near the football team. That that had already been addressed. Why do you still have a job, bruh? Because you should be going to. You know? But this is, this is what college sports is. This is what this country is, is they don't give a damn about the victims. They don't give a damn about them. As long as whoever did the crime can still make us money. 
Okay? As long as whoever did the crime can still make us money, we don't give a damn about the victims. I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, it's, um, there's terrible people in the world. Um, just terrible people in the world. And, you know, I haven't been on for a while because I've been sick and then I've been dealing with terrible people in my home and I finally got them out, which is really nice. Um, you know, a public service announcement. Don't let nobody live in your house. Family, friend, I don't care who the hell it is. Don't let them in. Somebody come to visit, sit on a porch with them. They got to use a bathroom, tell them to find a bush. Don't let them in your house because people are terrible, especially in New York State. Because once they come in, you can't get them the hell out without it costing you an arm and a leg. Okay? So just, just beware of terrible people. When people show you who they are, believe them, especially when they show you that they're terrible. Okay? So let's get to the story of tonight, which is, of course, the New York Jets. So the Jets got Aaron Rodgers. I know it's a hard transition, but there's really no way to do a smooth transition from what I was just talking about to this. So, you know, you just kind of kind of just ride with me here because, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a terrible person as far as I'm concerned, but that's a whole other conversation. So the New York Jets, when they got Aaron Rodgers, and I had stopped messing with the Jets a while ago because I got tired of them constantly building up my hopes and then, and then, you know, basically letting me down. And I've been a Jet fan for over 50 years. There's nothing you can tell me about how, how the Jets will always screw something up. So they signed Aaron Rodgers. And like, oh, man, you get back on the bandwagon? Nope. Why not? Same old Jets. They're going to do something to screw it up. Man, it's Aaron Rodgers. They're going to do something to screw it up. So, Monday Night Football, first game of the season. First play from scrimmage. They run Brees Hall behind Makai Becton. I said Makai Becton for a reason. <clears throat> he got like 20-some-odd yards off the rip. Okay? The next eight plays are passes. You just gashed the Buffalo Bills for 20-some-odd yards. And your next eight play calls are passes. Now, you got Dwayne Brown, left tackle, who's 39,000 years old, and it's a turnstile. You got Makai Becton at right tackle, who honestly, Makai Becton sucks in pass protection, but he is really good in run blocking. That's the reason that I brought up where Brees Hall, who Brees Hall ran behind on the first play. Okay? Ran to the right. And then cut back left, but he ran to the right and cut back left. Okay? So Nathaniel Hackett, that great coach we all know from Denver, decided to run seven straight passing plays. And on every one of those passing plays he called, Aaron Rodgers got hit. Well, at least the first four, because on the fourth one, Aaron Rodgers got hurt and had to be carted off the field. So you bring in Zach Wilson, who we all know Zach Wilson ain't no great passer, and you run five more passing plays before you try to run play. And Buffalo keeps getting in the backfield, and they keep hitting the quarterback, and you're not making any moves, and now you're losing. At that point, I turn the damn game off. Because, see, this is what the Jets do. So, play from scrimmage. You run the ball, you gash them. 
and it takes you 10 more plays to run the ball again. Robert Sala is a terrible coach when things go wrong. As long as everything's going right, he's okay. An adverse situation like, oh, I don't know, your Hall of Fame quarterback going down, he he loses his shit. Okay? He loses it. Why don't you tell your office coordinator, dude, run the damn ball? We got a quarterback back there after Rodgers is out who we know we don't trust. Why are you still calling passing plays? The left tackle is consistently getting beat. Why are you still calling passing plays? Why are you still calling passing plays? Why are you still calling passing plays? Because it's the New York Jets. It's the same old Jets. This is what they do. Same old Jets. Same old Jets. Same old Jets. I'm going to say this right now. This season with Aaron Rodgers is going to be a flaming dumpster fire. Because you have the wrong coaches. Coaches. Coaches on the sidelines. You have a head coach who can't deal with adversary, ad, adversity. Um, as evidenced by the fact that he let the locker room wear T-shirts talking about Mike White. He threw his supposed young franchise quarterback under the bus repeatedly. And he allowed the team to basically mutiny. Listen, Zach Wilson should never have been drafted when he was drafted. But you drafted him now. And then you allowed the locker room to basically lynch him in effigy. Because, you know, so, so, but keep telling me, oh, well, he's such a good, great defensive coach and he's so strong and positive and remember, 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 remember. Robert Sala's a clown. Robert Sala never should have got this job. Robert Sala should be fired after this game. I'm going to say it right now. Robert Sala should be fired after this game. Nate Hackett should be fired into the sun after this game. Dwayne Brown should be driven to his home with his luggage and say, bro, don't come back. You eight billion years old. <coughs> Excuse me. Aaron Rodgers restructured his contract and gave the Jets $35 million. The Jets in the draft decided not to get any offensive linemen because they were going to bring back an 8,000-year-old offensive lineman and put him at left tackle when he can't damn move. Don't tell me this ain't same old Jets because exactly what it is. It's same old Jets. And I just got my marshmallows, you know what I'm saying? I got my marshmallows on the stick already because just tell me where the dumpster is that's on fire that says Jets and I'm just going to roast my marshmallows and look at all the y'all that said, well, Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers, flaming dumpster fire. Five snaps into the season. Five snaps into the season. Five snaps into the season, you got a Hall of Fame quarterback hurt because you got an eight billion year old left tackle. Because God forbid you went out there and drafted a damn tackle or signed somebody who could actually move. Well, same old Jets. And this is why I stopped watching them. This is why I stopped supporting them. And this is why I laugh at them. And this is why I don't feel bad if anybody still supports them because you know what's coming. You know they're going to screw it up. Yet you still do. This is going to be our year. No, the hell it's not. No, it's not. Stop it. Stop it. (sighs) 
so week one was interesting. Week one was interesting. Um, some really ugly games. I mean, ugly. Ugly games. Giants, 40 zip. How's that, uh, how's that $80 million looking for Daniel Jones there, uh, Joe Shane? But you you couldn't find $12 million for Saquon. But you could give $80 million to Daniel Jones, <clears throat> who has yet to find an interception that he can't throw, who's only good at one thing, which is running. But you didn't want to pay Saquon Barkley. And you got skunked 40 to nothing. And here's a thought, Brian Dayball. How about you make some adjustments? I don't know. I mean, you know, how about you make some adjustments, bro? How about you make some adjustments in pass protection? How about you make some adjustments in your play calling? How, how about you do something different? And then your $80 million quarterback, because I'm not saying 160 because it's only 80, because only 80 is guaranteed. <coughs> Why is your $80 million quarterback on the field when it's 40 to nothing? What point are you trying to prove? Because it ain't his fault. You knew who he was when you gave him that money. You're the one that made no adjustments. You know, I watched the Eagles-Patriots game. Yeah, the Patriots lost, but I saw coaches making adjustments. Because they came back and made the game close. Now they would it was never really any danger the Eagles losing that game. But we saw the Patriots make it a game because the coaching staff made some adjustments. You know. The Chicago Green Bay game. Hey, uh, whoever the, the, the offense coordinator is for the Bears, here's a thought. How about you don't keep calling the same damn screenplay? When they got 25 people in the box <coughs> and you still calling damn screenplays that are getting blown up, how about you roll the pocket? How about you not count on Justin Fields to have to evade 75 people and then run 1,000 yards just to get a first down? And people are going to, they're going to, they're going to knock on Fields. If you watch that game, you literally, before the snap, and you don't need to know a damn thing about football. Before the snap, you were like, oh, yeah, that's, this play's not going to work. This play's not going to work. This play's not going to work. Before the snap. If I'm sitting at home and can see it, how in the hell can't you when you're right there on the sideline? See, there, is a lot, there are a lot of bad coaches in the NFL. But, you know, they know somebody and they look like all the other coaches, so they keep getting jobs. Because his name is Luke Getze, by the way. Luke Getze shouldn't have a damn job. He's another guy who should be fired right now. Because that game plan you called yesterday was trash. Absolute and utter trash. You made no adjustments. You kept calling the same damn plays. I'm sitting at home. I got the sound off because I'm playing PlayStation, Diablo 4. And I'm like, oh, that's about to be a screen to the left, screen to the right. Screen to the left. <coughs> Excuse me. And then, of course, <coughs> wow, it happened, and the play got blown up. But yeah, let's keep blaming. Let's keep blaming the young quarterbacks for terrible play calling by for terrible coaching. 
Okay, let's let's keep blaming these young quarterbacks. Then we got, let's see, it was just some so many bad games. The Titans. Yeah, uh, Malik Willis is going to be starting quarterback by halftime of game number two. He's going to be starting quarterback uh, uh, in Nashville. Because Ryan Tannehill, what the hell, what the hell, man? What, 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 what the hell, man? There were some really ugly games. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with coaching. You know, hey, Sean Payton. I know everybody wants to pile on Russell Wilson, but what the hell were you doing? What the hell kind of play calling was that? Russ didn't turn the ball over. Russ threw for two touchdowns, and your defense couldn't stop. You couldn't stop the Raiders, bro. You couldn't stop the Raiders. You couldn't stop the Raiders. Who scored a whopping 17 points? You couldn't beat the Raiders who scored 17 points. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Your new sheriff in town. And that last that last regime was the worst coaches staff in history. Uh, how many penalties did your team have, Sean? I think it was 10. I think it was 10. I think it was 10 penalties, Sean. I'm pretty sure it was 10 penalties, Sean. It wasn't Russell, Russell Wilson penalties either. Undisciplined play. Poor play calling. Poor play calling and undisciplined play. Okay. But, yeah, the last people that were there, they were the worst coaches in the history of football. Okay, bro. And see, my issue with Sean Payton is very simple. Stop telling me somebody's an offensive genius who's won one Super Bowl with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Who's won one Super Bowl with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Got to only one Super Bowl with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Oh, but he can make anybody good. Um, really? Because you quit because you couldn't make anybody good. You brought Jameis in there, and you tried to turn Jameis into Drew Brees. That's not who he is. And it didn't work, of course. And, of course, let's all blame Jameis. Because Sean Payton's an offensive genius. He's an offensive genius. He's been to one Super Bowl with his offensive genius ass. One. With some really good teams in New Orleans. I mean some really good teams. But he's been to one Super Bowl. But he's an offensive genius. Oh, and, and that game after Hurricane Katrina, it saved the city. There are still people. There are still sections of that city that are condemned from Hurricane Katrina the hell did he save? How many people, you know how many people who look like me lost their homes and had, had to leave? So he saved the white portion of the city. He ain't saved the damn city. Let's be clear on that. Let's be very clear on that. Because Sean Payton, Kyle Shanahan, uh, Sean McVay, these offensive geniuses, these gurus, they can make it work with any quarterback. Kyle Shanahan has gotten a, a couple of Super Bowls with, I would say, pedestrian quarterbacks. And in every one, Kyle Shanahan's play calling is what kept his team from winning that Super Bowl. That Atlanta-New England Super Bowl, 
Maybe call a couple of runs, Kyle. You're up 24 points. Maybe run the damn ball. Instead of three and out, three and out, three and out passing, trying to prove how smart you are. Okay? And, and you know, oh, his, his offense is quarterback friendly. Look, he won with Garoppolo, and he won with Brock. He's winning with Brock Purdy. Talk to me when they win the Super Bowl. Because they're not. Because I'm going all the way back to his Washington days. And by the way, the only reason he has a job in the NFL because his last name is Shanahan. No, because he's white and his last name is Shanahan. But how'd that work out with RG3? RG3 never should have been put back on the field. And then you literally ran a play that got him hurt again because that made sense. So miss me with the offensive geniuses because I see no difference between Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Sean Payton. I see guys who get a lot of pub about how great and smart they are whose teams don't win the big games but one time. And, and, oh, it's hard to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, it is. It is. But when you're directly responsible for your team not getting there or losing one, then miss me with the how hard it is to get to a Super Bowl talk. Okay? Miss me with that. Because all this offensive genius that he's supposed to have, how's that working out in San Francisco? Oh, that's right. They haven't won the Super Bowl with him. Oh, it's funny how that works. And then you drafted Trey Lance after you traded the front. And let's be, let's be clear here. I don't care when good teams trade first-round picks because if you're a good team, your pick is going to be basically a second-round pick anyway. Because you're picking in the, the low 20s. So, oh, but he gave a first real pick. Okay. The 28th, 29th, 30th pick of the draft, that's a second round pick. Okay. And, but then you never gave him a chance, and then you traded him. And I think Trey Lance is going to be okay because he's now with an organization that, whether you like the Cowboys or not, Cowboys know how to develop quarterbacks. They do. They don't have to develop quarterbacks. You know, we can go all the way back to um, <clears throat> what the hell was his name? Oh, jeez, Quincy, 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 Quincy Carter, Quincy Carter. They made Quincy Carter a serviceable quarterback. Tony Romo, undrafted. Dak Prescott, I think fourth round. Oh, uh, what's what's his backup name? Serviceable. So Dallas knows how to develop quarterbacks. Trey Lance is in the best place he could be. Joe Burrow, <coughs> you probably should not have played the other day. And uh, was it T. Higgins or Jamar Chase? Whichever one of you it was, maybe shut the hell up. Maybe shut the hell up and start talking about people. Especially when you're going to go out and get waxed. Especially when you're playing a team you know has your number. See, there's courses for horses, people. And there are some teams that are just bad matchups for other teams. And you know when a team's a bad matchup for you. So maybe just shut the hell up. Well, we lost the L's. No, you lost to the team that has owned you the last six times you played them. So, you know, maybe shut the hell up. I'm just, you know, it's just a suggestion. You know, just a suggestion. It's, I mean, it was just some awful, 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 awful football. You know, Carolina, that Carolina game was awful. 
the the Saints game was awful. It's just some bad damn football. Just bad, 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 bad football. Um, but it's the first week. But this is also, to me, we're seeing that there's a lot of bad coaching in the NFL. We're seeing it's a lot of bad coaching. I mean a lot of bad coaching in the NFL. Anthony Richardson shouldn't be starting. He should not be starting. You know, he should not be starting, especially since you don't want to pay Jonathan Taylor. And you're going to put him on a pup list because your owner's a clown. And let me say this about Jim Irsay. Um, Maybe stop, you know, riding around with bags of pills. You know, maybe put the pills and the cocaine down and maybe you could run your franchise better. You know, maybe go into recovery. Maybe go to rehab, bro. Unless somebody else run the damn team. Okay? Just a suggestion. Because you obviously don't know what the hell you're doing. Because you're too busy getting high and standing in front of cameras and making poor decisions about, dude, you hired Jeff Saturday. <coughs> you had to be high as hell when you hired Jeff Saturday. You had to be. And anybody who watches him do an interview... Tell me that that man ain't high while he's doing an interview. And I'm going to say that you don't know what the hell you're looking at. Obviously, you ain't never been drunk or high. Because that man is high as shit when he's doing these interviews. Okay? But, yeah, there's some really bad football. I mean, really bad football. And it's going to be some bad football this season. It's going to be a crazy season. Um, Let's jump into college real quick. For all of the, all of the people... You know, my, uh, Myron Metcalf is a Tom. So about two weeks ago, after um, Colorado won their first game, and what Deion Sanders said was that a strong, articulate, confident black man as a coach is a threat to people. It makes them uncomfortable. And here goes Myron Metcalf. But man, Dion ain't never experienced what these other coaches experience. Because he hasn't experienced it, he can't talk about it. He can't bring attention to it as to why there's so few black coaches. So I guess the only way you can talk about anything is if you experience it. I know damn well Myron Metcalf ain't experienced a damn thing with his with his 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 his, his step and fetch it ass. His Oh, yes, a boss. Prime don't need to say that, boss. He needs to just be grateful, boss. Deion Sanders is doing something, and they keep saying it's never been done. You know what it is that he's doing that they claim has never been done? He's being unapologetic. He's being unapologetic. He's not grateful to be there because he belongs there. And he knows he belongs. See, when they say, oh, you should be grateful, what they mean is you should be, we didn't have to let your black ass in here. We didn't have to let you in. So you should just sit over there in the corner and shut up and take take what we say and do what we say and just smile. That ain't Deion Sanders. And there's too many black faces in sports who want to sit in the corner and say, man, I don't want to rock the boat because they not might let me in. The transfer portal thing, he's not doing anything any other coach isn't doing. 
Oh, he turned over 80 people. Uh, Matt Rule turned over 60. Another coach has turned over 40. Anybody got a problem with that? Nobody got a problem with that. You know how many times a new coach comes in and basically said and pulls scholarships from kids and says, yeah, uh, we just took your scholarship. You got to go somewhere else. And this was before the transfer portal, people. This was before the transfer portal. But when a confident black coach does it, oh, my God, it's sacrilegious. He's going against the spirit of amateurism. It's terrible. Oh, my God, he's riding college football. Colorado is going to be playing for the Pac-12 championship. Let me tell you that right now. Shadour Sanders, who should have been a Heisman candidate last year, will win the Heisman. He will win the Heisman. It should be Travis Hunter, honestly, but it'll be Shadour because the Heisman is now basically a quarterback award. Shadour Sanders is winning the Heisman. Think about the fact that in two games, he's thrown for almost 900 yards without an interception. Without an interception. I think Shadour Sanders might go the entire season and throw only two interceptions. Think about that for a minute. He'll probably throw for three to 4,000 yards with like two interceptions. There's your Heisman, people. There's your Heisman. But, you know, of course, you know, the, the Matt Rules of the world who took shots at Dion and I would never disrespect anybody. Dude, you said it. It was reported and fact-checked. You said it on camera. There's tape. But you would never disrespect anybody. Okay. Okay, bro. Okay. We got you. So for all you people running around talking about what Dion did is wrong, go look at your alma mater and see how they do kids. Dion just wasn't, he just wasn't silent about it. He didn't do it under the cover of darkness. He did it right out front and said, this is what I'm doing. Because this is about money at the end of the day. Amateurism be damned. Ain't no amateurism. They don't give a damn about these kids. This is about money. This is a business, and that's how he's treating it, like a business. The only thing he's doing is making sure that his kids are taken care of, that they graduate, and that they have something to look forward to when they're done playing football, because all of them ain't going to go to the NFL. He knows that. But they damn sure going to have some positive to go to. Believe that. So... I guess Mike's not going to make it because, you know, um, he's doing his thing. So I'll just go for a little while longer. Um, we'll see how this goes. But everybody's up in arms about the FIBA tournament and the U.S. losing. Well, you had Steve Curry as your coach. Did you think you were going to win? Did you really think you were going to win? When they had uh, what's-his-name from – the Milwaukee Bucks. What's his name? Bucks. Bobby Portis. They had Bobby Portis on the damn team. Bobby Portis should never be on an international team that's representing the United States. 
They had Bobby Portis. And you thought they were going to win with Bobby Dan Portis on the team. Because Steve Kerr, who, again, thinks he's so much smarter than everybody, and Bobby Portis, man. The hell did you think was going to happen? They were going to lose. And I don't care whether he played two minutes, one minute. I don't give a damn. He shouldn't have been on a roster. And now, of course, here come LeBron. And, man, we should, I should go to Paris because LeBron's going to save the day. Listen, I'm not a LeBron hater. I'm not a LeBron lover. Um, I think he is an opportunist. I'm not a fan. Um, this is just another way for him to try to make himself look good, especially if they win. Oh, LeBron had to come and save us at 40 years old. Dude, go away. Seriously, just go away. You didn't want to play, so don't play. All right? We don't need you to come save us. What we need is coaches who are actually going to put a good roster out there. We don't need LeBron to come save us. So stay home, LeBron. Don't go, you want to go to Paris? Go on vacation. Don't go to play basketball. Because I don't honestly don't want to hear about the whole LeBron saving saving the world thing. I ain't trying to hear it, bro. I'm not trying to hear it. 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 Stay your ass home or go to Paris on vacation or go somewhere else. Go to Turks and Caicos. I don't give a damn. Just go away at this point because I'm sick of you. And again, I think for his generation, LeBron is one of the, is probably the best player of his generation. But I also think he's an opportunist and a clown. Two things can be true at the same time. So we'll uh, probably close it up with this little deal. So the Yankees, who I said at the beginning of the baseball season, should have had Jason Dominguez up. Jason Dominguez should have been a starting left fielder. And they chose not to do it. And then they finally started to bring him up, and they started winning. He was hitting third, people. He had four home runs in his first seven games. First seven games of his career, four home runs. Okay? Had multiple three-hit games in the games he didn't hit a home run. You know how hard that is? He did things that have never been done before. And now he has a torn UCL, which is a ulnar collateral ligament. Basically, he's got to have Tommy John surgery. <laughs> Only the Yankees could screw this up that bad. And he said, oh, it's not their fault he got hurt. The hell it ain't. The hell it ain't. Their medical staff is trash. Over the past five years, They've had at least nine guys have to undergo Tommy John surgery. At least nine. Luis Severino can't stay on the field. Every time he throws a pitch, something, something pulls, something tears. Every single time. That's not all on the players. That's on the training staff. That's on the physical therapy staff. That's on the medical staff. You can't tell me that they have so many. The Yankees lead the league in players with season-ending injuries for the past five years. Past five years. Past five years. 
615. Go ahead. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, just ranting and raving, you know. Okay, what, what are we ranting about right now? We're still talking about Mel Tucker? Uh, no, I did Mel Tucker already, but if you got you want to talk about him, go ahead, man. We got time. Yeah, man, I, I just think, like, especially in today's environment, I, I just don't understand. Uh, are, are, you, are you that clueless to... Um, all the things that was happening, and this is a person that clearly overcame some of this in her life and uh, is coming to or has come to the college campus to talk to people about how to avoid this kind of stuff and talking to men to help make sure that they are not perpetrators in this kind of thing. So so what if they were flirty? And so what if they had developed a friendship or whatever? Like, uh, that's a tired excuse to try to say this is consensual when she's clearly saying that's not the case. And uh, yeah, I, I think that I think that Mel Tucker has coached his last game at Michigan State, and you can put him in the same category, even if it's not as many cases and even if it's not as many situations. I think you can put him in the same category with a guy like Les Miles who might not ever coach a coach again. Like, there's just certain things that you um, there's just certain things that you can't do. And and I feel like if you know that this person has been a victim, that's an especially predatorial mindset kind of thing. Um, that's hard to that. That's inexcusable, um, and that's as nice as I can be about it. <laughs> so, uh, what, what are you talking about now? Well, I'll just touch on that real quick. Keep in mind that this is the same university with Larry Nasser and Mark D'Antonio. Michigan State University right. has a has a history of this. And they brought and they brought D'Antoni back to be a sideline coach right now. Exactly, Tom. How tone deaf can you be? How tone deaf can you be? What? Yeah, like, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I was just killing the Yankees about Jason Dominguez. And people say, oh, you can't blame the Yankees. But this is what I know. The past five years, the Yankees have led the major leagues and people having season-ending surgeries, ligament, ligament surgery. They've let the, they've let all of baseball. So I'm just saying. It, it, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um of course I had to, to jump on the Jets because um Robert Sala and Nate Hackett should be fired after this game. Well, Nate Hackett should be fired into the sun, but Robert Salas should be fired. And I'm going to tell you why. I don't know if you watched it or not. First play of the game, Brees Hall off Bahama Kai Beckton, and he cut it back left. You can watch the play. 20, I think it was 26 yards. The next 10 plays were passes. The next 10. 
the next four after the Brees Hall run got Aaron Rodgers hurt. Then they brought in Zach Wilson, and they kept passing. The left tackle, who is 8 billion years old, right, uh, Dwayne Brown, he, he, he was alive, right. he was alive um, when the cavemen were writing on walls, okay? He's getting beat <laughs> consistently. They don't call it a run play. Now, Makai Becton is not great in pass protection. He's not. He is very good as a run blocker, as a road grader. But you don't call any run plays. Same old Jets. Same. Remember yeah. when you guys asked me, how come I wasn't on the Jets bandwagon with Aaron Rodgers, and I told you they'd find a way to mess it up? Yeah. It took them five plays. It's crazy to me because, to me, you bring in a quarterback who can make throws that, that a lot of people can't, who is noted for his accuracy and whatever else. But that does not mean that you completely change what you do. If you got good running backs and you got linemen that can block, there is still something to be said for being able to pound teams into submission. There's something to be able to something to be said for being able to control the clock, keep your defense off the field some, and that doesn't mean that you can't still throw the ball. But if you pick your spots, it's kinda of like picking your battles in in a relationship. You pick your spots to you know, show that off. And if you're running the ball consistently, then guess what? It's going to open up things down the field because teams are going to have to cheat up or sometimes put that extra man in the box or whatever. And they're going to be, they're going to be looking for that. And so uh, you start becoming predictable and, you know, trying to throw the ball 10, 15. I'll be honest with you. uh, I got a finger food coming out about, uh, the Saints and Titans game yesterday. And that's one of the things that I will highlight as far as that the Titans did to help the Saints out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like, why are you not continuing to give the ball to your best player? Yeah. And, and even if Aaron Rodgers is the best player, anybody that that knows anything about football knows that if you can run the ball effectively, uh, it's going to open up opportunities down the field in the passing game. And it's going to make it easier to throw the ball because they can't cheat and double up. And You know what I mean? If they, it, The hardest thing to do in football, even though it can be done, the hardest thing to do in football is pass when you, they know they're going to pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I was saying earlier, there are so many bad coaches in the NFL. So many bad coaches. And this weekend, <clears throat> this weekend to me exposed a lot of them. By the way, the Jets have held the Bills to 13 points and they're going to lose this damn game. Think about that for a minute. You're going to hold the Bills to 13 points, you're going to lose the game. But I, I don't know if you watched the Chicago game. Justin Fields is yeah. going to get a lot of flack, right? If you got NFL Network, watch that game. Watch the first half and tell me how many plays before they're even run you can call what they're about to do. Sitting on your couch. Right. 
It's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. The amount of bad coaching in this. In, oh, my God. Whew. I mean, you said at the Titans game, you give some kid named Tajay, Taj, or whatever the hell his name is, more carries than Derrick Henry? Really? And, and Tajay Spears is a good, a good football player. He's going to be good for that team for a while. Um, he should not get he should not get more carries than Derrick Henry. But the, the the fact of the matter is, anytime an offensive coordinator has Ryan Tannehill throw the ball more times than you hand the ball to Derrick Henry, uh, like you don't even get to fly home with us. Like you're fired. <laughs> You're either gonna fly commercial if, if you're going home. If you're going home with uh, on our expenses, then we're gonna buy you a Greyhound ticket from New Orleans to Nashville, and we'll even have moving trucks at the house for you to pack up your stuff if you want to leave town. Like, there's no reason why Ryan Tannehill uh, should throw the ball more times than Derrick Henry has carries ever. Hmm. And I would say that even if it were a top five quarterback, but especially when you're talking about, yeah, then there's no, there's no excuse. Like, I and listen, I don't care if I have to hire a new offensive coordinator every week. If the if the if the if the quarterback throws the ball more times than Derrick Henry has carries, you're fired. Period. Don't care. I don't care. I don't care how much you donated. I don't care what you've done in the community. I don't care if you <laughs> saved a bunch of kids and pulled them out of a burning house. I don't care. You're fired. There's no excuse for it. No. And and, and Derek listen, Carr, I'm, I'm happy the Saints won the game. Yeah. Derek Carr was trying to give them the game. He was literally well, doing his best to gift them the game. Michael Thomas was open so many times that he would look at him and not throw the damn ball. It was ridiculous. Well, and part of that, part of that with Carr in the first half was the young left tackle who they really like and who is probably going to be a very good player in this league. Um, got abused by Arden Key. Um, because he was reaching. Too much. Um, a veteran guy who has some really athletic ability was just abusing. In the second half, they started chipping out, you know, with the backs and whatever to try to help him, and he was able to have more time to throw the football. But they almost got him killed in the first half of that game. Yeah, but there was some, there was some, there were plays he left on the field, man. Like that first drive, oh, for sure. That first drive, Michael Thomas. And by the way, Michael Thomas ain't no speedster. Okay, he is a precision route runner. He ain't no speedster. He was open twice in the end zone. Okay, you missed him the first time. How the hell you missed him the second time? I definitely agree. I mean, if you look at the just the numbers, it doesn't look it doesn't look as as um, as bad as it did when I watched the game. They made a couple of throws, and they absolutely had to. They were the only ones that found the end zone. I mean, listen, uh, the first game is going to be 
here's the other thing that I think we're also seeing, Chandler, and I agree that we had too many preseason games sometimes and there being four, but mm-hmm. when you when you had the dress rehearsal in week three, usually the starters played the first half, and they usually came out and played one series in the second half, right? Right. Um, and now maybe the fourth game is where you run all your guys out there to figure out who's going to be. But once they went to three preseason games, wow! Uh, I just heard an interception by the Jets. So, uh, so uh, when you only have three, now you have starters or starting quarterbacks not playing at all in the preseason, and nothing's going on, and so. You can practice all you want. You can scrimmage against another team. Well, they cut some of that out because people kept fighting. They just like Anthony Mason. They fight too much. But so they cut some of that out. And so I think that what you're seeing, and what we might as well get used to, is week one and even the week two, you're going to see sloppier football until these guys can really get more acclimated to actual game conditions. Yeah. And so it doesn't – yeah. So you look at bad coaching, and they they aren't able to weed some of that out because you're not facing live rounds, and then some of them are still going to be bad anyway. But when you have bad coaching and then you also have guys that are not really up to game speed, uh, you're going to see some ugly football early on. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, like – Okay, the Chiefs-Lions game, that wasn't the greatest game. Let's be honest, right? But you had two competent coaches who made it a good game with their play calling. It was Listen, on both sides, it was bad play because, like you said, guys didn't have the rhythm and all that stuff. But the coaches recognized that and made the requisite adjustments so that it was, it was a good game. But you can go back, honestly, if you go back and watch that game, you're like, oh, my God. This guy can't block. This guy can't catch. This guy can't do this. this guy, but it's not that. It's they're all out of sync. Yeah. But then when you get bad coaching and out of sync players because they ain't played in the preseason, oh my it's, god! It's, like I said, this uh, yeah. one there was some terrible, terrible, terrible football. I mean, terrible. About the only, about the only really good like execution wise game yesterday. Was the Chargers Dolphins game? Except for the fact that the, this supposed defensive guru of a head coach, they, his team can't stop anybody. <laughs> right, right. But I will say this though: I think, and we will see how the year plays out. But that could very possibly be a preview of a playoff matchup in January, depending on how the seeds fall and everything else. Right? Like maybe not, I but these teams. These teams are are possibly playoff teams. I can see the, the uh, um, I can see Miami. I can't see San Diego. I can't see San Diego because the coach, the coach is terrible. Let's be honest. The head coach I, yeah, can't coach defense. But, but that terrible coach made the playoffs a year ago. Yeah, and... but there's way better teams now. There's far more. There's far. More, listen, last year and this year is night and day when it comes to the amount of good team. Well. With the amount of good quarterbacks, I should say. <laughs> what, right. So, so we get seven, right? We get seven teams in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Kansas City is going to go 
if anybody else out of the West is going to go, it's going to be the Chargers. I, I'm sorry. I don't think Denver or the Raiders are going to make the playoffs. I, I didn't see anything to convince me that those two teams are playoff teams. What do you mean that great, now the, that great guru, uh, Sean Payton, didn't show you anything with his ridiculous play calling yesterday? Yeah, go chew on some more juicy fruit. Okay, and then so uh, I think that we're going to get I think we're going to get one team out of the South. Oh, yeah. You're going to get one. Yeah. So you get one team out of the South, and that's probably Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then – so then the question becomes, if you got one out of the South and one out of the West, now you got five more between the North and the East, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, – Buffalo, Miami. Let's 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 go ahead and give them. Now we got three more spots, mm-hmm. and we have possibly three teams out of the north. They could take them all, but I could see yeah. somehow the Chargers getting in there. And listen, Cincinnati must run to go zero and two this week. And playing yeah, they will. will. They will, but I think Cleveland, Baltimore, and Cincinnati get in. Right, and if if that's the case, then there's your seven. You got those three. You got two out of the east, one from the right. south, and one from the west. Yeah, um, and and yeah, the the only the only thing that I can see as a as a possible like caveat to that is you know the Chargers get two games against the Raiders and two against the Broncos where Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh, and Baltimore all have to play each other. That's a little sure. bit of a tougher road. You know what I'm saying? So I, yeah. I, I, could, I, could see, <clears throat> I, I could see a path that gets the Chargers into the playoffs. I'm not saying they're a favorite, but I am saying this, that L.A.-Miami game could possibly be a first-round playoff game in January. It could be, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I think if it is, it's going to be across. I think it's going to be held uh, across country. I think it's going to be held in Miami, not in LA. Well, it, it, yeah. I mean, that's and that's the only way either one wins is if they, you know, because either way is it's, it's um good weather is what I'm trying to say. Good weather. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, it's been it's um like I said, it's, it's I'm just I'm just not feeling some of these coaches, man, and then. Of course, you know, we got LeBron now has to come save the NBA because the Steve Kerr, the smartest man in basketball history, thought it was a good idea to have Bobby Portis play international basketball. And anybody who knows anything about FIBA, and I don't care how many minutes he didn't play, he had Bobby Portis on that damn team. And people thought they were going to win. He had Bobby Portis on that damn team, man. So miss me with that and, and miss me with LeBron now. Oh, I might go to Paris and play in the Olympics. Listen, LeBron, take your ass to Paris on vacation. I don't need you to come save basketball. I'm sick of him. I'm sick of him. He's a cherry picker at this point. But, I mean, what, what, what do you think about the whole FIBA thing, man? Yeah, I mean, it's uh. There's definitely a lot to be uh, definitely a lot to be cleaned up around the league going into week two. 
I got a I got a different topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a different topic for you. Um, and, and I'm going to go down south, but I'm not going to the SEC, actually. Um, I was a little skeptical when this happened. So let me say this. Um, Tulane has a legitimate football program right now. Um, no, they had one for a while. I mean, I've always liked Tulane, yeah. but yeah. yeah. So this team wins the American Athletic Conference. They then go and beat USC in a bowl game. Mm-hmm. With the Heisman winner on the field. So impressive, right? Yeah. Uh, this past weekend, now I understand that um, that USC's defense couldn't cover you or me out there. But still, uh, for a, a non-Power 5 team to beat uh, a program like that, that's, that's a good win for that program, right? Um, really good win. Right. So they lose this weekend to Ole Miss. They lose by 17. Mm-hmm in a game that was much closer than the final score indicated. Right. Um, it's a game that Ole Miss had to have, to be honest with you, in the, in the outer conference. And it's a game that is not going to hurt Tulane very badly because Tulane also was missing their quarterback, who a lot of people believe is a legit pro prospect. And okay. I'm not talking about – I'm not talking about Patrick Ramsey or J.P. Lossman. I think they think he could really be the, uh, the real deal at the next level. We will see. But you had a backup quarterback, and you hung with this team. Matter of fact, had a lead going into the half and hung with this team for the better part of 60 minutes. There mm-hmm. was uh, a late turnover that resulted in a score. But I, I don't think that this loss, especially if they go run their table and win their conference and whatever else, I don't think that this loss eliminates Tulane from being that non-Power 5 school to make the BCS Bowls this year. Okay, so uh, – but I want to say one other thing beyond that, though. Uh, they made the decision several years ago to build a stadium and put it in Uptown New Orleans. Uh, by Tulane's campus. Okay. And it was expensive, right? And it's not okay. it's not huge. This isn't like an eighty five, ninety thousand person stadium. That's not Tulane. They're not that kind of program. They're not a they may have uh athletes that can stand up with those kind of guys because there's a lot of talent in that state and they can recruit. But this is a thirty five, thirty, thirty five thousand person stadium. Which okay, it's not bad. to me, which to me is exactly what a program like that needs, right? So right. Tulane, for years and years and years, they played on campus a long, long time ago. But for the last several decades, Tulane played their home games in the Superdome. Well, right. Superdome, Superdome holds seventy-five, eighty thousand, right? Seventy thousand. That was not a home game environment for Tulane. Because you only have maybe thirty, forty thousand 40,000 fans. Well, the other team would, uh, hey, we're going to take a weekend trip to New Orleans. And we're going to go to the Dome and watch our team play Tulane. And so there wasn't much of a home field environment, right? Like, because a lot of times it'd be 50-50 in the crowd. Okay. And this, this past weekend, mm-hmm. yo, Tanner, there was tailgating all day. There was, I mean, the Tulane, it got 
it got a lot of play as one of the feature games of the day. Anytime mm-hmm. they were like on ESPN game day and whatever else, not that I really care about ESPN, but I just know from reading about this later, when they were showing, you know, the scene in Alabama for the Alabama Texas game, they were showing uh, Iowa Iowa State and they were showing Tulane for Tulane Ole Miss because two top twenty five teams. Uh, it got a lot of it got a lot of publicity. There was tailgating. It was a festive environment. It was a fan experience. And Tulane, the Golden Wave, uh, the Green Wave, they packed it in there, bro. Like they were, uh, they they. It was loud. Mm-hmm. It was a raucous environment. Uh, the there were times that you couldn't even really hear uh, anything but home fans there. So they did this to create a legit home field atmosphere. And now that Willie Fritz, who's been there for a while, and it's taken him a while to get this program there, but now mm-hmm. that he's built a now that he's built a quality program, there is legitimate. You can get a legitimate college football experience. Uh, in New Orleans without having to go an hour up the road to Baton Rouge to do it. Um, so okay. I just, to me, kudos to Tulane, uh, kudos to the people that made the decision to build this stadium, even though it came under a lot of scrutiny. To me, it's something that's going to pay off for years and years and years. Uh, students are committed and involved. Uh, tailgate atmosphere is special. It's a legit big-time college football environment um, in New Orleans, and that's what they envisioned when they put this together. And it, I mean, you know, man, even for, like, recruits and that kind of thing, when you host and visits and that kind of thing, if you really have a home field atmosphere where the fan base is passionate and electric and, and, uh, and care about the product on the field and you can feel that energy in the stadium, that makes a huge difference in recruiting and campus life experience and everything else. So uh, there's a lot of things that uh, decision makers about how to spend money, not only around Tulane, but in New Orleans and in Louisiana as a whole, there are a lot of things that they've messed up over the years, which is why Louisiana is in some ways in some of the shape that it's in. But, uh, this is a great investment, and I think it's something that's going to pay off for the Tulane community for a long time. And to see it get that kind of spotlight this weekend, it's pretty special. I, I really enjoyed seeing that and seeing that kind of environment for those kids that that, that go to Tulane. Uh, that good for them. Um, so that that's just uh, that's just something that I that I was happy to see kind of. This was because of the top 25 matchup and whatever else, and because it had more national attention. It was it was the first time that nationally they can the college football world was able to really appreciate what they have put together and done down there. And so it's it's a cool it's a cool thing for Tulane. Okay, um, yeah, I didn't have ESPN, so you know I didn't get to see it because ESPN. And uh, Charter didn't decide to salt to settle until today, which I kind of figured they would because with this Monday Night Football game. But <laughs> I'll say that everything you said makes sense. I now I have always liked Tulane, even going back to when I was young, because um, the Green Wave, you know, um, something about that team name always resonated with me. 
And, like, dude, honestly, until about 10 years ago, I didn't know Tulane was in Louisiana. I didn't. Really? I just knew Tulane was this school that I kind of, I just liked watching when they played. You understand what I'm saying? I never knew where the hell they were. Yeah. You know, but I was, oh, man, too, you know, like if Tulane was on, I would watch the game. You know, especially remember, you know, back in the, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you had those late night ESPN games that most people weren't watching, like <clears throat> like uh, Ball State and stuff like that. If Tulane or Ball mm-hmm. State was playing, I was watching that damn game. Didn't know where either school was, mind you. If you put a gentleman, <laughs> right. what state is it in? I don't know, right? <laughs> but... <laughs> <clears throat> I would watch it. So, so, so good for Tulane for doing that because, again, like you said, listen, let's be let's be honest. If you can bring take a recruit instead of having to drive an hour down to 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 the city of New Orleans, and you can host them right there in downtown New Orleans, come on, man, come on, son, yeah. <laughs> come yeah. on, son. Yeah, I mean it's it's a special atmosphere, and so Tulane. Just to kind of give you a little bit more on that, uh, back in the day, Tulane, along with Georgia Tech, were members of the SEC years ago. And then, um, obviously, they left. Georgia Tech left, tried to get back, but couldn't. Um, of course, years and years ago, Swanee was a member of the SEC. They're a Division Three school now. But until Arkansas came into the SEC in 92, they put together that rivalry game. And so for the longest time, LSU and Arkansas played Thanksgiving weekend. Once Arkansas came into the league, like that was their big, you know, rivalry game. And so they called it the battle for the golden boot, right. And all this kind of thing. Um, But when I was a kid, every, you know, the last weekend of the year when all the schools would play their other state schools, right. So you have Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Georgia Tech, South Carolina, Clemson, Florida, Florida State, all that, right? Virginia, Virginia Tech. LSU Tulane was the last game of the year, every year, for years and years and years and years. Um, And so they were rivals. Now, I mean, at times it was lopsided. But listen, when Tulane won, LSU people heard about it all year long. (laughs) But that was – but that was LSU's in-state rival for the longest time. Like, and they played every year for a long time. Okay. But Tulane is a it's a it's a private school. Uh, it has a very stellar uh, academic reputation in a lot of ways. Like, it, it's not exactly to these same standards, but it's very similar to like a, a Vanderbilt or a Duke or something as far as academic standards. Like. Yeah. I remember I took the ACT in high school, like a lot of people did. Some people took the SATs. And so I was looking at Louisiana schools, and I remember uh, reaching out and acquiring at Tulane and looking to see, because I had really good grades and all this, and I did all kinds of extracurricular stuff in school from student government to sports and all kinds of stuff, right? And I reached out to check on the possibility of an academic or leadership scholarship to Tulane, and they told me, if you didn't make a 33 or better on the ACT, you might as well not even bother. Mm-hmm. 33 no, listen, Tulane is one of the most prestigious, has one of the most prestigious law schools in the world. Not just the country. Sure 
yep. world. And I know that. And again, like I said, I never knew what state it was in, but I knew a hell of a lot about that school, except what state it was in. <laughs> Go figure. But, um, and it's a different name, too, because, you know, it, nothing's named like it. You know, it ain't Peck or State or, you know right. what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> you know, there's nothing else named like Tulane anywhere in the country. So, right. Um, and, and there's a there's a huge, there's a good fan base in New Orleans too. Uh, they have a solid fan base, so I, I'm yeah. happy to see them. I'm happy to see them rise. And I mean, I'm sure you know there's a couple other schools in that conference. But now with with Central Florida leaving to go to the Big Twelve next year, which makes no um, sense anyway. Right, realignment, crazy. But with them leaving. Um, because to me, I really think with the Pac-12 dissolving, if you had been able to keep a couple of those teams, now you're losing some of your big ones to a bigger conference. The AAC might have been lined up to possibly be an automatic bid. I but think now that. Taking, oh, now sorry, taking some of those schools out of there. Now that you're taking some of those schools out of there, then it's just going to be lined up with. Okay, so the best of the non-power conferences, whoever that team is, gets an automatic bid, so they're going to have to outshine other small conference teams, right? But. Well, uh, <clears throat> Oregon State and Washington State just sued in court. In the Pac-12. <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> I, excuse me. Good God. Um, I personally think the AAC, Mountain West, and Pac-12, need to get together because the the, the, the the geography isn't that disparate like we're going to see in the Big Ten in the SEC. You understand what I'm saying? It's a lot of well, southern schools and some western, but if you look at like where Louisiana is, Louisiana is, is south, but it's closer, is, is more west-south than it is east-south. You know? So I mean, oh no, because Texas is real big. Yeah, see that's the thing. It's the, it's the Texas piece. I mean, because you you could drive from Louisiana, you could drive from New Orleans to Pensacola in four hours. Right, right, and it's the Texas piece though, because you can get from Louisiana to Texas. It just depends on where in Texas you're going. Yeah, because yeah, it takes a day to drive across right. that state. Right, right. <laughs> but I think big. I think the Pac-12 needs to look at trying to get a two-lane in there some of those schools because those schools are going to recruit. The conference is going to be competitive. Number one, it's going to be competitive. And I mean, okay, going from say Washington state to Louisiana. Yeah. That's that, what is that? Maybe a, a, a five hour flight versus you know, 13 hours or, or, or eight hours or seven hours going to Jersey. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, they just messed this thing all up. But see, we got like about five minutes left. Um, anything else you wanna you wanna hit on? No, I, I will say this, and I, and I, I I wrote this in in the uh, in the article that I put on the Sports City Chefs uh, site uh, a couple weeks ago. But I think if they want to go with these crazy alignments for football, they they should and can, whatever. But I think for all these other sports, they need to stick to the old traditional conferences uh, for logistics and for 
just the betterment of the student athlete. They won't do that, but you know, when you talk about uh, gymnastics, football, uh, basketball, even uh, to an extent, uh, wrestling, baseball, track, volleyball, all these other sports, they need to be competing in schools in their region, uh, like yeah. the way conferences were originally designed to be and to to function. And it's a lot easier with football when you play one game a week. Who cares if you have to fly across the country? But somebody needs to step in and make some damn sense out of this and say when it comes to all these other sports, there's just no way to sustain a conference that runs from Silicon Valley to Miami or from Piscataway, New Jersey to L.A. So y'all need to go back to your corners and represent your old conferences in the way you did in every other sport, and we'll just call this uh, we'll just call this a different alignment for football. Yeah, yeah, I I, I would totally agree with that. I really would. Um, I really would. So well, I'm glad you was able to get on tonight, man. Like I said, I was just ranting and raving about Mel Tucker, who's a clown, and Mark Antonio, who's a clown, and Michigan State was a school full of clowns. Um, terrible football. The Yankees, of course, screwing up the Martian. <clears throat> and just as a PSA to people, you know, don't let nobody in your house. Um, keep them on the porch. They want to use the bathroom, point them to the nearest bush. Go and home. <laughs> if, if, if they want some inter some interpersonal uh, relationships, that's what the front yard is for. And then when you're done, go home. Put a tent. Put a tent in the front yard. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, you can zip it up for some extra privacy. There <laughs> you go. There you go. Because I'm gonna tell you now, ain't nobody coming back in my damn house ever. Okay, if it, when the, when the work people come to fix though, they ain't got to clean up their trash. As soon as they done, get the hell out. Get the hell out. <laughs> well, well, Sports City. At least I know that I'm not going to visit Newark uh, to hang out for a couple of days or anything. Uh, I, <laughs> we'll we'll have to we'll have to meet somewhere neutral or something. But <laughs> but but yo, it's uh, definitely glad to glad to hear you uh, on. Sounding strong, man. I look forward to chopping up with you for uh, Thursday roundtable gumbo while we update the Thursday night game and uh, we kind of hit things going on throughout the week. Um, and, man, I appreciate you uh, initiating this and jumping on. Come check us out, man. SportsCityChefs.com. Got blogs, got finger foods coming up. And the finger foods this week should be spicy because Villain and Sirius, both of their teams definitely took their lumps this week. Uh, Villain already wrote an article today about what happened with the Giants last night, um, and that's on the site. So check us out. Check out our shows, 9 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights. And then the time is Sunday morning brunch on Sundays at 11 a.m. Appreciate you, Chan, always. All right, bud. And and as I always say, uh, for veterans, family, friends of veterans, family, spouses, ex-spouses, 988, option one. You don't have to be because you're trying to hurt yourself. You just want to talk. Call up. Um, services are there. You know, say yes to life. Say no to house guests, but say yes to life. <laughs> say no to house guests, but say yes to life. Um, the worst thing that can happen is if you say yes to an opportunity, is it turns out the way you thought it would. That's the worst that can happen. 
and you won't ever be disappointed then the best thing that can happen is you have a really good time you have something really positive happen you meet some people you make some friends you make some memories some good memories to replace the bad ones i appreciate everybody tuning in uh thanks mike for, for hopping on four city chefs this was the monday night madness and we are out <laughs> Uh, where there it is. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs, sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs, sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs, sports city, sports city, chefs. Kaboom, sports city, chefs is in the room. Cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, bloom like a flower in June. Superman verse, MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the sports city, chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Sports City, Sports City, Chef, Chef, Sports City, Sports City, Chef, 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 Chef,